Long ago, whilst the majority of musical offerings were confined to their stereotypical patterns, the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, interlude, chorus, finish, a select few elite musicians were making patterns of their own. Removing the limitations of the mainstream conventions, these audio artisans were certainly making progress. If nothing else, they were progressive. In short, this is the lost art. MMH, the home of rock radio. Hi, this is Aaron with the Aaron Clift Experiment, and you're listening to The Lost Art with Steve and Lou on Progzilla Radio and MMH, the home of rock radio. How's it going, guys? How's it going? Welcome once again to The Lost Art with me, Steve Gould, here on MMH, the home of rock radio and also Progzilla Radio. You lucky people, a double chance to catch this week's show. Sundays at 1600 hours and Mondays on 1500 hours for Progzilla. Double bubble! Ho ho! Anyway, I hope you've all had an amazing week. It's been somewhat of a tragic week in that we've lost Elvis Presley's only daughter, Lisa Marie. We've also lost Randy Backman from Backman Turner Overdrive. But most of all, the biggest loss, and I have to be honest, we were absolutely gutted when we found out that we've lost Jeff Beck. How absolutely stunning is that? Oh, I was lost for words when I found out. I mean, he's always looked so damn good for his age. 78. I know people 20 years younger who didn't look that good. What an absolute loss to the world of music. We'll be playing a track from the man himself later in the show as a tribute to his legacy. Incredible guitarist and incredible loss. Oh, what can I say? I think it's a sign that we're all getting older and that none of us are eternal. I think when you get to our age, when you get to be an old git, that you do start realising that life is only a very short period of time on this planet. So make the most of your time on it. That's all I can say, guys. Make the most of the time that you spend on planet Earth because it's a minuscule amount of time in the scheme of things. So I hope that you live a full life. I really do. Anyway, last week, you may recall, was part two of our 2022 look back. And as I think I may have implied at the time... It was impossible to fit all the incredible music that was released last year into two shows. So we've got a bit of a spillage, a bit of a knock-on from that particular two-part show, because there are three bands I'd like to play here and now, just to kick things off. We're talking about Von Herzen Brothers, Patent Seeking Animals, and Cosmograph. How could we not include them? Mm. So let's kick off with Von Herzen Brothers. Their latest album, Red Alert in the Blue Forest, came out on the 18th of March. And we went to see them at KK Steelmill when they were promoting the album. And I actually interviewed Miko, if you may recall, if you've been listening to the show regularly. Wonderful people and an incredible night. Oh, yes. And I'm not saying too much, but you may be seeing them at a future fusion. 
say no more. Off their latest album, this is Peace Patrol.
VHB from Finland off their latest album Red Alert in the Blue Forest and it was Peace Patrol it was and like I say I am in discussion regarding their attendance at a future fusion watch this space <laughs> anyway I mentioned three bands one hurts and brothers patent seeking animals and cosmograph so I think we'll move on to patent seeking animals next because in January last year, they released their third album. It's called Only Passing Through. And for those of you who are of the uninitiated, it features John Begold, Jimmy Keegan, ex-drummer with Spock's Beard, Dave Meros, and Ted Leonard. The Spock's boys have been busy. Like I say, it's their third album. It's called Only Passing Through. This is Much Ado.
And nothing's quite as it seems But even nothing is something Even if it's just the space that's is now the second largest search engine in the world with over 3 billion searches a month. So if your band doesn't have a music video or if your business doesn't have a professional intro, then you're missing out. At InLife, we have all the skills and equipment you need to make a stunning video and stand out from the crowd. From in-house green screens and post-production effects to on-site filming with high-grade cameras and all at an affordable price. Visit inlife.co.uk and get in touch today to see how we can shape your vision. Remember, video killed the radio star. Wait, what? Inlife.co.uk See our beautiful faces at mmhradio.co.uk Hear the weather forecast as issued at 12 o'clock Greenwich Meaning Time by the Uganda Meteorological Office. They've been up on the Air Ministry roof and it's pissing down with rain. That's the end of the weather forecast. We don't play hits. If progressive music is your thing, Radio Progzilla is your station. Okay, before the break from their rather wonderful third album, Only Passing Through, Patent-seeking animals. As I say, it's an offshoot of Spock's beard. And just to tide you over until the next SB album, whenever that will be, because Rio's been doing his own thing, Dave and Ted have been doing their own thing. Ted Leonard has actually been playing with Transatlantic and will be featured on their new live album, which comes out next month. We may, if we have time, play you a track from that a little bit later, because it is rather excellent indeed. But that is an aside. Absolutely. I did say earlier that we'd have three tracks from 2022 that we didn't include last time. Von Hertz and Brothers, Patent Seeking Animals and Cosmograph. And if you've never heard of Cosmograph, it's very much the solo project of Robin Armstrong, who's played live with Big Big Train on many occasions. Mm. Well, in September last year, he released his latest album. It's called Heroic Materials. And I've got the title track for you today. This is Cosmograph. Born. 
sky requires the best design to fly.
to the day. Now I say, they were both lovable, but in their different ways. There was a delightful effort. Closer to the day, I attempt to give the example where I must start the harder to be pray. And the greyhound being the spitfire. Sometimes I think I should have died 
MMH, the home of rock radio. Rock radio. This is Christina Booth from Magenta, and you are listening to Progzilla Radio. Okay, so I am now putting a definitive line under our 2022 look back, guys, because we could just go on and on and on. There was so much music released last year, and it was all of an incredibly high standard. So. With those three tracks, I'm going to put a line under it. Once again, I will say, if we didn't include your favourite band or album of last year, I'm incredibly sorry, but as it goes, you can't please all of the people all of the time, but you can please some of the people some of the time. And that's what we aim to do. So I hope you've enjoyed our 2022 look back, because the lid has definitely been put on that particular part of the show. Most definitely. But our next track is somewhat of an anomaly because it was released in November last year. So theoretically, it should have been included as part of our 2022 review. But it wasn't officially launched. It wasn't officially released 
until two days ago, on the 13th of January. I'm talking about the latest album from Solstice, Light Up. And it is absolutely superb. It really is. And the good news is we've got them headlining on the Friday at Fusion 4 in less than two months' time. So if you haven't got your ticket, now's the time to go for it because it's going to be one hell of a weekend. The ticket sales have been very healthy indeed. They really have. And I truly believe we're going to see a sellout. It's that good. It really is. So let's check it out. The latest album from Solstice, Light Up. This is the title track.
can you believe that Solstice were formed back in 1980? 43 years ago. And the fact they're still going, and not just still going, but on a high. They really are on a high at the moment. They've just released their latest studio album. We've had a track from that literally moments ago. I hope you enjoyed that. It's superb. Definitely need to check that out. They've also just released a new live album. They're doing numerous live dates this year. And the fact that Jess Holland, the current lead singer, was voted in the top 10 best female vocalists. What an achievement. They really are on a high at the moment. I'm so glad to see them back. If you haven't seen them live, you so need to. There's so much passion on stage that you really do need to see that band live. They are superb and we're very, very blessed to have them join us on March the 3rd. And as I hope you will too. Oh yes. And also at that particular time, literally the night before, on March the 2nd, we have our launch party, which is headlined by Kairos, who also happened to be our current Band of the Month. And we're going to go back to August 2021 for this next track, because it comes off an album they released called Recover, which featured a number of covers of well-known and maybe not so well-known prog tunes, including Behind the Lines by Genesis, The Good Doctor by Haken, and this next track, Heartstrings by our good friends Frost. This is Kairos.
I find it really refreshing to see and hear a group of really professional young musicians putting stuff out of that calibre. What an absolutely superb cover that is. Heartstrings off the Kairos Covers album Recover, which came out in August 2021. And if you enjoyed that, you're going to absolutely love the rest of the album. Because like I say, they could do covers by Rush, Genesis, Devin Townsend and Haken, amongst many others. Definitely worth having a listen to that one. Yes. Anyway, our good friends Riverside are back. Next Friday, the 20th of January, sees the release of their latest album, Id Entity. I've been playing the hell out of it this week. And it is yet another classic from that particular band. They can't do a thing wrong. It is, again, a superb album. Id Entity. Yes. Well, a couple of days ago, they released another track from it. The single edit of Friend or Foe. Now, when I say single edit, it's coming in at 6 minutes 3 seconds, whereas the album version is 7 minutes 28. So they haven't really chopped that much out of it, and I wouldn't really call it a single, because the single is normally around 3 to 4 minutes. So make of it what you will. I'll leave you to decide. But what can I say? It's so good to see the boys back. This is Riverside with friend or foe. Like us, follow us, stalk us at MMH Radio. Hi, it's John Young from Life Science here, and you're listening to Progzilla Radio.
Can you believe it's been four and a half years since the release of Wasteland, the last Riverside album, which was the first album they released after the tragic loss of Piotr Gudzinski. And you could tell there was a sense of loss about that album. It was permeable. It really was. And so now with the new guitarist in place on a permanent basis, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but it's so good to see that band back kicking ass with their new album, Identity, which is due out, as I say, next Friday, the 20th of January. You need to order it now if you haven't already. It is yet another classic from that particular band. Oh, yes. And today we had Friend or Foe. Single edit. Yes. So to take us to the end of this part of the show, because our lady will be joining us shortly, you may recall last week I finished the show with a track from the brand new album from Rain, Radio Silence, which is due out the following week, January the 27th. And what an album it is. Along with Riverside, I have played the hell out of it this week. And you guys are in for a treat. I really do hope that you enjoyed Bring It Back, the track I played at the end of last week's show. Well, we're going to finish this part of the show with another track. It's called Something New, and it most definitely is. (laughs) So from the brand new album from Rain, due out on the 27th of January, Radio Silence, this is Something New. And after the break, we'll be joined by You Know Who. Do you like the rhyme? <laughs> you're the one I see, you're the one I leave, you're the reoccurring dream mystery to me. However, did I find you? Always on a screen, always very keen, always trying to bloody please, and it'll squeeze the soul out of you. You're just someone I wish was something new. You're just someone I wish was something new. Something new, all the things that leave us feeling blue. When I go to sleep, is it ever deep? Is it ever what I need? Am I a creep? When I try to feel Stay out of my head, never show up in the flesh It's a mess, I hope I never meet you
want to hear new music, new rock, new punk, new metal. No, not that new metal, as in metal that's new, not baggy trousers. Maybe baggy trousers. We'll see. You want to check out Dancing with the Dead on a Saturday night from 8 till 10. Ben Jekyll's here. Nothing but wall-to-wall new stuff from start to finish. MMH, the home of rock radio. Hello Metalheads, Tina C here. Join me, the early bird, every Saturday morning, 11am to midday, for an hour of rock and metal, from classic to new releases, guaranteed to wake you up inside and get you ready for the weekend, only on MMH, the home of rock radio. You're locked in. I got a bad feeling about this. There's no way, way out. MMH, the home of rock radio. Hi, this is Peter Jones from Tiger Moth Tales, and you're listening to Frogzilla Radio. Oh, my throat. Before the break, off the brand new album from Rain, Radio Silence, due out on January the 27th. That was something new. And it was something new. <laughs> what a funky edge to that track. And I think there's quite a bit of that going on on this new album. And if you enjoyed Singularity, you're going to totally and utterly love this album. You are. And a week today, we're actually filming a video promo for the title track, of which I've been asked to be in it. I am pooing bricks, to say the least. Oh, well, we'll see how that rolls out. We will. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed that track, because it's a rather superb album. It really is. Anyway, we're in the second part, the second part, the middle section, the middle part. And we're joined by the woman of ambiguous identity. Anonymous Annie this week, because I don't know who I am. I am a bit of a raucous, and I am a bit of a longy tracky. So, could be anybody. Could be anybody. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost the plot now. Who are you? I don't know who, who I am. <laughs> so, without further ado, I'll introduce the first track. It is Threshold. It comes from Wounded Land, the deluxe edition, which was released in 2012. And I'm playing Consume to Live. Listen to the words, they are so relevant.
MMH, the home of rock radio. Rock radio. As my lady said, I hope that you caught the lyrics on that particular track because they are as relevant as when they were recorded as they are now. In fact, more so. I'm going to say they're more relevant More now. so. And she just actually said to me while that was playing that she's heard that track so many times, but at this one particular point, very recently, the lyrics reached out to her and totally touched, you know, obviously to the point where she felt she needed to share that track with you guys. And I, and I, and I feel that, you know. I, I don't know if you've ever had that. You've listened to a track so many times, and all of a sudden, the lyrics really hit home. Have you ever had that? I'm, I must admit, I have. I'm not really a lyric person. I'm more into the musicality of things, which is why I totally understand John Anderson's philosophy in that sometimes it's the sound of the words rather than the meaning because people over the years have tried to put so much meaning to John Anderson's lyrics when there's actually nothing there you know it's purely the sound of the words but occasionally you do get a track that really hits home and I think that one really really does good choice love good choice thank you right my next track is from Evergrey and this was actually released last year so we could have had it on our look back a heartless portrait and the track is ominous the fire's gone I'm still paying I go on I travel on
Want to join our team? We are always on the lookout for budding DJs, reviewers, media, admin, clerical and photographers. Just search MMH, the home of rock radio. You're tuned to Radio Progzilla, streaming across the net 24 hours a day. Radio Progzilla, simply the best progressive rock radio. This is Sir Walton Thuggery Igloo. If this Progzilla person plays another Steve Wilson tune, take him out and have him shot. Before the break, Ever Grey with Ominous. Ominous indeed. <laughs> and I know that there's probably some of you out there who think, I can't be doing with this raucousness. I can't be doing with it. Well, I'm afraid it all comes under the umbrella of prog. So, suck it up, guys. Suck it up. Because we ain't over yet. No, dear? no, and no. The next track comes from Amplifier. And this is a live one. And it came out in 2021. This is Airborne, which originally came off the very first Amplifier album, simply called Amplifier.
I must admit, we went to see Amplifier live at the Slade Rooms in Wolverhampton. And not the best venue in the world. And the fact they were a bit crammed on the stage, because I think their pedal board took up half the stage. I've never seen so many pedals in my life. But what an incredible evening. And what can I say, another band that you totally need to see live. Amplifier. Got a love arm. Would love them to come to Fusion. Oh, would. I'm working on it, love. Anyhow, the next one, the next band, have played it Fusion. And it's Red Bazaar. And this is off Things As They Appear, which came out in 2019. We will find you.
You can't go far without Pete Jones being involved. I've mentioned this before. He's obviously playing with Francis Dunry on the upcoming tour. He's playing with Camel. He's also in Red Bazaar. He's also behind Tiger Moth Tales. The guy never sleeps. And I hope that you all managed to catch his crappy old Christmas release on Bandcamp. It is so funny, you would not believe. That guy is a total and utter musical genius. He really is. And I think Red Bazaar have gone to the next level since they brought him on board. They really have. So I hope you enjoyed that. We will find you from the album Things As They Appear. Mm. Anyway, I'll hand over to my love for the next track. Devin Townsend Project. And this comes off the 2016 release Transcendence Deluxe Edition. And this is higher. 
I have the utmost respect for that guy because not only is he an incredible musician but he's also a superb performer. When he played Rambling Man to replace Kansas I'm afraid it was a case of our gain, their loss because he just totally blew that stage away. And if you ever get the opportunity to see that guy live, do so. Because you will come out of the venue going, oh my God, what a night. And you've got no excuse because you can preempt the situation by watching Ziltide live at the Albert Hall on YouTube. It is there, people. Watch it, listen to it, enjoy it. You will love it. Oh, yes. Anyway, I believe we've reached our last but one track, haven't we, dear? We have indeed, and this is from good old Gentle Giant. This comes from I Lost My Head, The Chrysalis Years, and I'm playing you excerpts from Octopus Live.
Oh, just burning. So bring me aid and pass your time. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. Probably the greatest prog band that ever existed. Even though they were only around for 10 years. And in that time they made 11 albums. The marvellous, the wonderful Gentle Giant. Oh yes. Oh yes. They're my happy band. <laughs> if I ever feel a bit low, on goes Gentle Giant. And I'm quite content to say I saw them live back in the day. <laughs> anyway, I think we've reached the last track, haven't we, my love? We have, and we have both seen this gentleman live with many of his accompanying The very first stage, members. indeed. It comes from none other than Frank Zappa. This was released, was it five days ago? Yes. It's a single and it's outside now, live at Mud Club, New York City. And it was recorded on May the 8th, 1980. And rather superb it is. So on that, I hope you've enjoyed my playlist. Have a great week, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
Don't miss the alternative of rock radio with that 90s kid. Listen to Ash Lynch as he presents the soundtrack of a generation. From the tracks of your younger years to the charts of tomorrow. So check it out Wednesdays at 8pm. That 90s kid exclusively to MMH, the home of rock radio. MMH, the home of rock radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sarah Wizbanger of The Wizbanger Show, inviting you to hang out with me every Friday from 2 to 4 in California, 5 to 7 in New York City, 10 to midnight in the UK, 11 to 1 a.m. Central European time. Let me ease you into your weekend with the very best of the heavy underground right here on MMH, the home of rock radio. We're online and on fire at mmhradio.co.uk. Hey guys and gals, this is Luke Machin from Kiama Machine and the Tangent. You listen to Progzilla. Peace out. You're listening to the station with the best mix of music. Progzilla, bringing you the best progressive music has to offer. Okay, folks, welcome to the final part of the show, the conclusion, the end section, whatever you want to call it. We finished the middle section with Our Lady, with the incredible Frank Zappa. And if you've seen the documentary Zappa, where they actually go into his archives and all the recordings that have been made and never released, I think it's safe to say we'll be having new material from that particular artist for decades to come despite the fact that he's no longer with us. But one of the most inventive and creative musicians that's ever existed, as far as I'm concerned. So prog, it's unbelievable. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of the music in that particular part of the show, because my lady has a very fine taste indeed, and I'm sure that you will be looking forward to next week's playlist from our lady. You will. Anyway, I've got something a little special for you guys now. I've not mentioned it up until now because I wanted to keep it as a surprise. <laughs> That's how I roll. Mm. Well, anyway, last Sunday evening, I had the distinct pleasure of being able to interview Aaron Clift from the Aaron Clift Experiment. You may know them, you may not. Well, after this interview that I've got lined up for you now, you'll be hopefully a lot wiser as to who they are, what they are, and where they're from, and so on. All you need to know is in this interview. Mm. And then after the interview, we'll be having the title track from their latest album, their fourth album, which came out on the 6th of January. It's called The Age of Misinformation, and we discuss it at great length in the interview. It's a tad over half an hour, so sit yourself down with a nice brew, because, obviously, after the interview, we got the music. The title track of the new album. How good am I to you? How good am I? Anyway, enjoy the interview, enjoy the tune, and I'll catch you on the other side. So, boys and girls, welcome to The Lost Art, and today I'm speaking to Aaron Clift of the Aaron Clift Experiment. How are you doing, Aaron? Hey there, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Now, there's a very good chance that some of our people may not have heard of you or come across the band so 
knock yourself out, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and the band? Certainly, yeah. I am the vocalist and keyboardist and founding member of the Aaron Clift Experiment. We're a progressive rock band from Austin, Texas, and we've been around since 2012. We just recently released our fourth album, The Age of Misinformation, which we're going to talk about today. Absolutely, absolutely. So what, what's your background? Were you uh, influenced by prog as when you were a kid? Yeah, I started out in classical music. I picked up the viola as my first instrument when I was 11 and moved on to voice when I was a little bit older. But I had always been surrounded by music when I was a, a kid. My parents used to play lots of records for me when I was a baby. And my mom likes to remind me that my one of my first words was side. That's my word for music because they used to flip <laughs> the LP over to the other side when I wanted to hear more music. And they played, uh, you know, they played a lot of kids stuff for me, but they also played me stuff from their album collections. So I used to hear a lot of Beatles, hear Bob Dylan, Police, stuff like that. So I always had classic rock music in, in my DNA, but uh, I was also listening to classical music. And then the first style of music that I really got into on my own was uh, a lot of the grunge bands that were popular in the early to mid 90s when I was a teenager. I got into bands like uh, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots. And yeah. I was very excited by that music. And I remember I was playing it for my dad because I knew he liked a lot of rock music. And I, I remember playing Soundgarden for him. And he heard it and he thought it was really cool. And he said, this kind of reminds me of Black Sabbath. So he pulls out Master of Reality from his uh, LP collection, <laughs> plays it for me. I hear Sweetly for the first time. I'm like, wow, this is heavy. And it reminds me of Bad Motorfinger. Or should I say now that Bad Motorfinger, uh, that uh, it reminds me of Black Sabbath. So uh, that was that was kind of, um, and then you know, I played other stuff for him and he, he pulled out some other records from his collection. One of them was uh, Aqualung by Jethro Tull. And the other one I remember, uh, I remembered it more because the album art uh, st stuck out to me. It was uh, Tarkus by Emerson, Lake and Palmer, that armadillo tank on the front. And I, I thought it was cool. I didn't know it was called progressive rock at the time. I just mm. thought it was a uh, weird rock music. So <laughs> it, was, it was something I was into, but I was like, yeah, it's just weird, weird music. Um, and then I remember when I got to high school, I was about 15, um, one of my friends knew that I played in orchestra. He knew I loved classical music and he knew I loved rock music and a lot of the psychedelic stuff. So he's like, I think I got the perfect album for you. He gave me uh, his copy of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Okay. I listened to that and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was amazing. So... I started asking other kids at school if they knew of any other music like that. Nobody, nobody had heard of it. Um, so I was kind of like at a dead end. And then I just took the unprecedented step. This is 1995 of uh, using my crappy dial-up internet connection at the time <laughs> to uh, go online and see if I could find more. Uh, and I remember uh, searching. It was uh, like an, one of those AOL searches, uh, music. And one of the first sites that popped up was All Music Guide. So I go to All Music Guide, and um, 
it promised to be a database of, you know, all the music that's ever existed. I'm like, okay, maybe I can find something. So I look up Pink Floyd and talks about Pink Floyd and their history. And it mentions uh, this style of music called progressive rock. I'm like, what is that about? That sounds interesting. <laughs> What's progressive about it? Uh, so I, I look it up and it says it combines classical and rock music. And I was a little bit confused by this. I'm like, so what is it like a fifth of Beethoven from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack where they do a, <laughs> a disco version of Beethoven's fifth? And I, I'd listened to that soundtrack a lot. It was in my parents' uh, LP collection, but uh, no, it turned out to be a lot more than that. But I'm looking at the list of, of uh, progressive rock bands that they recommend, and I see a couple names that I actually recognize. One of them was Genesis, but I was confused. I'm like the, the I Can't Dance guys, because that, that was a song I do. And I thought it was a great song and a great pop song, but they're saying that they're mixing classical and rock music. So I'm very curious about this. And then they, then it mentioned that Peter Gabriel was in the band. And then I'm even more confused. I'm like the sledgehammer guy was, <laughs> was in Genesis. <laughs> and, so, and it recommends uh, selling England by the pound. And like, it just had a five-star review said it was absolutely amazing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to check out this album. And I got a few a uh, list of a couple other ones. So I go to the music store. Uh, I look around for some used copies. I found that day, Selling, Selling England by the Pound, uh, Every Good Boy Deserves Favor by the Moody Blues. And I knew who they were because my dad had a copy of Days of Future Past. And I knew the song Nights in White Satin. So I was like, all right, I'll check that out. And then uh, Images and Words by Dream Theater. And those three albums were my introduction to progressive rock and immediately hooked me. And I think what I really like about the genre is it's uh, it's not easy to pin down. But I mean, there is I, I guess you could say there's a certain style to it. But then again, there, there really isn't like the diversity and the willingness to experiment and, and try out new things was something that appealed to me being, being someone who just kind of took a grab bag approach to listening to music. And, um, you know, it, it combined a lot of different things that I grew up with. I grew up with classical music, you know, the, the classic rock sound, the modern sound, like, it, I found everything I wanted in one genre, and and you know for me it's it's stuck ever since then. So so was it a no brainer then that you'd eventually get into prog? Yeah, based on what you've just told us about your background. Yeah, exactly. And you've not looked back. No, it's been uh, it's been something that. Um, it's it's different you know when you're a listener of this music you appreciate certain things about it but then when you start making music with progressive rock i found that it's um it's a tough nut to crack you know it's like um you can you can write songs and you can do odd time signatures and you can you can do all these things but to really um to make music that's adventurous and diverse and uh, complex. But for me, I didn't want to just do all those things. I also wanted to make music that I felt was um, could emotionally resonate with me and, and listeners and could also be accessible. And I think that's something that, that we've really strived for with the Aaron Clift experiment, that we do fuse 
that classic sound with a modern sound and an approach that really values the the songwriting above all else. So obviously, you know, the members of the band, how hard was it for you to put over your vision for what you wanted to achieve with the band? Did, did you find it easy to find musicians who were happy to come along with your vision? You know, that is always, uh, I, I say it's a tough nut to crack. That is one of the challenges of, of doing this style of music. I, I think of it like, you know, the songs that we present, I call them non-standard. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You you put together a band, and if you want to do um, like 12-bar blues or something like that, there's a bit more of a, a historical template and framework for that. And I love that kind of music, and I love playing that kind of music. But it's like when you're doing progressive rock, what does that mean? Are you are you doing something like Yes? Are you doing something like Dream Theater? Like there's there's so much ground you can cover. Mm. And so I think the the biggest challenge with finding band members and finding uh, finding musicians to kind of execute that vision is making it clear what you're going for and how you want to achieve that and, and finding people who can get on board with that. And do you think that the, the band that you've got at the moment basically allow you to realize what you're trying to do musically? Absolutely. I think uh, all my bandmates are incredibly talented and, and they all come from very diverse backgrounds, but I think we all share a love of that adventurous music. And uh, for me, with this album, we made it a little bit differently than our three previous albums. Uh, previous albums had the benefit of being able to uh, rehearse in the same room together and kind of work things out that way. With with this album, I started writing songs in late 2019, and we had a band member change up. Our, our new guitarist, Anthony Bassini, who plays on, on the album, auditioned with us in February 2020 and we said all right well we're going to do some live shows soon so we'll give you a couple weeks to rehearse the music then we'll get together and and uh, and knock it out we'll meet up after South by Southwest Music Festival well South by Southwest Music Festival got canceled and then we start hearing reports that everyone needs to stay in their houses uh, because of this pandemic and at first I'm like well we'll be back in a month then a month goes by. They're like, no, actually, we need you to stay longer. And it's like two months, then three months. I'm like, this might be a long time. So what are we going to do about it? Um, and technology really came to the rescue for me. I, I had already been using Ableton Live for uh, my keyboard sounds for live shows. And for this album, I started using it more for its recording capabilities. So I was able to use the software that I have to help put together demos. I'd have these ideas in my mind and I'd go and record them. And I, if I had a drum loop or a bass part, I might put that out on my keyboard. I'd send this to my bandmates along with some chord charts and say, here's the outline for the song. Can you go ahead and record your own parts? Uh, and I'll replace them and you know make something kind of like this. Uh, and that would give them something to start with. And we would assemble all the parts together, either in Ableton or uh, Cliff, our bassist, used Reaper. So we'd, we'd do both. We'd add a little bit of uh, production touches to that. 
and we get together in a Zoom conference every week. And we did this for about a year and a half. And uh, though it helped us a lot with um, thinking about the arrangements for these songs. So to, to go back to your question about like, how do you, how do you uh, present a vision to people? I think the more tools we have at our disposal technology wise, it can help, uh, it can help kind of fill in the gaps where uh, maybe in person isn't possible or just you want to convey something in a certain way. And I think that, in turn, the, all the pre-production work that we did for the age of misinformation helped a lot. And once we got in the studio, we had already demoed these songs quite a bit. So it was really like, I, I knew how I wanted the album to sound, how I wanted these parts to sound. We were able to go in and, and record them and focus really more on the performance and less on, okay, well, what, what goes in this part of the song? What goes in that part of the song? When those decisions were made ahead of time, and um, I think that saved us a lot of time in the studio and just made things easier. So I think a, a lot of bands had to adopt that attitude because of lockdown. They they had to basically put an album together almost like an audio jigsaw, you know, and pull in you know all the different parts. And I think you're not on your own there, but at the same time. I've always said this, that the internet's almost like a two-edged sword because in some respects it's killed, obviously, CD sales because of streaming and downloading. But the other extreme, you've got the ability to, like yourselves and many other bands, put together an album without meeting one another, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, that is quite revolutionary. Is that uh, a concept that you explore on the new album? Yes, I think there were, uh, you know, when I got to starting the songwriting of this, I didn't have a concept in mind. I, I never start necessarily with an overarching concept unless it's like something I, I know I want to explore. For me, it was more like my starting point was we had already done our third album, uh, the 2018 album, If All Goes Wrong. We had recorded it and written it a certain way. And all I knew is I wanted to try a few things that I hadn't done with previous albums. So that was kind of my starting point. Uh, but as far as subject matter, there wasn't really necessarily a, a game plan for that. It kind of, it kind of found its footing, I'd say in the summer of 2020, uh, that was when I wrote the title track. And that was when there was a lot of uh, unrest going on, both uh, with the being locked down with uh, the pandemic going on, of course, all the political protests that were going on during that time. And I was spending a lot more time on social media because I had I couldn't meet up with my friends in person. I needed some way to keep in touch with people. And that's where I really saw just new story. Like every day there seemed to be like some new thing that that really like set set me off and upset me a lot just seeing how misinformation was affecting people and and um i remember thinking to myself it, it's like we're living in an age of misinformation and i thought that that right there in that moment i i have different ways i like to do songwriting sometimes i'll start with like a keyboard sound or a lyric and in this case it was a title and i thought that would be a great title for a song so i wrote the song and it felt kind of therapeutic to to uh, 
voice my frustration and, and sadness with this situation. And after going through that song, I realized this seems like a good title, not just for a song, but for an album. And when I looked back at the other songs I had already written, uh, like Liar and Bet on Zero were the first two that I had written for the album, I saw a pattern emerging that they had themes about lies and deception in them. And I thought this could be uh, a really interesting concept for an album. I don't necessarily have to tell uh, like a literal story, but maybe tell um, tell a concept or tell a story through these kind of different snapshots. And so the album is about lies versus truth and about how uh, lies tear us apart. And that's like the first half of the album. The second half of the album is how do we how do we move beyond that? How do we find uh, truth and peace of mind? Mm -hmm. So I think to, to answer your question, yes, the, the pandemic and some of the stuff that was going around did find its way into the lyrics, into the concept in, in some way, shape or form. And I think that uh, releasing it now kind of at the tail end of that feels like this has been a good like capstone for kind of that era of time for the band. So would you say that writing the album during a pandemic when everyone was in lockdown and suffering and so on, would you say that writing the album was almost therapeutic? Almost what? Therapeutic. Uh, yeah, I think in, in many ways it felt like I needed something to keep me uh, grounded during this time because I uh, I'm pretty introverted, but you know, being in lockdown all the time and not being around everybody is, is too much for even me. I, I needed, uh, I needed some way to, to feel something and, and to get those feelings out there. And so, yeah, I do think music was a good outlet for that. It allowed me to, to focus my energy and creativity into something more positive and as the reviews and the feedback from people have been encouraging for you? Yeah, I think so. I think this has been um, a project that has resonated with a lot of people. I think talking to my friends during this time period and, and seeing everybody else was going through similar um, challenges and frustrations. Uh, it was something that stuck with me and something I wanted to, to comment on, you know, for, for posterity. And I think that the, the music certainly felt like an evolution for us and growth for us. Uh, and then just the, the overall package of this. So yeah, I think the, the feedback we've been getting is very encouraging. Excellent. And obviously now that things are starting to lift, and live music's coming back online. I don't know what the situation's like over in the States, but over in the UK, there's a very obvious return of people coming back to live music. Have you got any plans to put the album out live? Uh, not at the moment, but it is something um, we're, we're considering. It's just, um, you know, for, for me, it's been uh, a huge process just to get the just to get the album put together in the first place. So uh, we're, we're taking a little bit of time with that. Yeah, because it came out two days ago, I believe. 
Is that right? That's right. The 6th, 6th of January, yes. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. one of the first releases of 2023. Because we've just done a, a two-part retrospective on 2022. And last year was an incredible year for music. And I think this year is going to be as good, if not better, in some respects. And uh, the fact that you've sort of come in at the early part of the year, it gives everybody the opportunity to preach in perspective, you know, when you're looking at the the, the year as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about, you know, you, I'm in various music business groups and we talk a, a lot about just kind of the nuts and bolts of a music career and when is a good time to release an album and the conventional wisdom has said that the the a bad time of year to release an album is the very beginning of the year because they claim that you know people will forget that your album came out and i was like you know i i'm going to release this album when it's ready and i i had originally wanted to release it in 2021 but the pandemic kind of just delayed and delayed and delayed and uh, but but there's also a more symbolic reason. We released it on, on January 6th because it's the two-year anniversary of the U.S. Capitol riots, and they're referenced in the Age of Misinformation. So I felt like conceptually it fit with what we were trying to do. And uh, I think this uh, this time of year is interesting because, uh, as you mentioned, it's like we're, we're looking back at, at the year that just happened, but also looking forward. And for me... This album, uh, I kind of worried because I had written most of these songs between uh, 2020 and 2021. I kind of worried about whether this stuff would still be timely by the time I released it. As it turns out, it seems like it's more relevant than ever. I was just about to say that. Do you feel that you've released it at the right time now that people can put the pandemic in perspective and the fact that what you know the the concept that you've covered on the album and the fact that it's all about this misinformation that we're all fed by the media it's as you say i think it's probably more relevant now now that people can look back and see what what happened and what's happened since there are, i feel that you've probably done the right thing in releasing it when you did because as you say it's it's become more relevant now than it was when you wrote the songs yeah and uh, yes, I agree. Absolutely. And another thing for me, too, is uh, giving these songs a little bit of chance to breathe. Uh, I wrote The Age of Misinformation in, in the summer of 2020. And I, I remember after I finished kind of writing this demo and listening back to it with everything, I felt like something needed to be there that wasn't there. Uh, the beginning of the song has a very long intro before the, the vocals really kick in. And I remember thinking to myself, this is this sounds cool, but I, I need something here. And as it happened, uh, I was I've always been interested in movies and like how music and movies fit together and music and TV. And what I like is how they complement each other you know the the music helps tell the story as Absolutely. much as the actors on the screen yeah so for me i'd always been interested in the concept of what about the other way around where like if it's the music first then what if what if we could add something kind of cinematic to it to to enhance the the message of the song uh so i thought well maybe there could be some dialogue or something in the beginning of it and then 
when after the Capitol riots happened, I was spending like several weeks just kind of obsessively watching footage of it to understand what 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 the hell just happened. Um, and I heard that there were just like various sound bites from that day that that interested me. So I went back and added them to the song. So the, the beginning of the song and the song starts out with a with a person from a TED talk talking about misinformation is, is flying all around. It's taking root. What does that mean? And so it's kind of like the beginning of the song tells a story about how this information took root and how it's how it's coming to pass. And then that footage from the Capitol riots then tells the next part of the story of like all these lies that people have been telling for years building up building up and exploded in violence and so that was to me the, the the piece of the song that could only have happened by having kind of the time to to put things together and to have some perspective on things in a way i mean when you first wrote it which you said you wrote it in summer 2020 it was almost mm -hmm. prophetic you know, in the the way yeah. things unfolded, you know, because at that particular time, you know, it was very early on in, you know, things how they were unfolding. But it's only, you know, as I said earlier, it's only as time has gone by that the song has become more relevant. So and it was quite prophetic when you wrote that. Yeah. And when I wrote the song, I, I thought, well, this could be a great title for an album. I, I I considered several different titles for the album. Like I was thinking about like, what are the, what are the songs on this album that, that all tell different things. I thought rise could be a title for an album weight of the world. I mean, those are all songs on the album, but I felt like what's the one, what's the one thing that's kind of tying this all together. And for me, like it was in that early 2021 when I was like, this, this has got to be it. This is like, the, the thing that I was worried about came to pass. And, and I feel like now, now is the time to kind of look back at them at this and have a, have something that documents the era. I always feel like a lot of the albums that I really, that, that have stuck with me since I was a kid and I still listen to, I feel like they're, they're some way like a document of the time they came out. Yes. But can still speak to me now uh like you know i think of the i think of albums by the beatles and that like i i wasn't around in the 60s but i i can i can picture it when i when i hear that album but i can also it it has meaning to me in a different way um growing up in a different time period and I uh, and I think of like some albums that are more politically themed and and what they were trying to tell us and are they still can they still speak to us in some way? I think um, one of my inspirations for this album was uh, Queensrÿche with uh, Operation Mindcrime and Empire showed me a way that you could talk about politics and they were talking about specific issues for their time, but you hear this stuff. And you hear some of the messages that they're trying to convey, and that stuff still still around, still means something. <clears throat> I think you're you're absolutely right there, Aaron. There's uh, some music, I think in particular progressive rock, is what I would say of its time. 
and it's it you hear it now and it takes you back to the 70s or 60s and it hasn't aged well do you know what i mean but mm -hmm. some music i feel is timeless you know you can hear it now and you can hear it 50 years ago and i and i would say i'm not a musician myself uh but i would imagine as a musician you hope that that comes across in your music that it is timeless it's not going to be of its time of its age is that something that you strive for um well we always want our, our music to be uh well liked and hopefully well remembered i don't know what the if there's a a magic formula or ingredient for how you know how does something how does something sound time uh timeless versus dated because that's a very subjective thing mm. some music that people kind of turn their nose up at uh from from several years ago then it gets reevaluated a little bit later and all of a sudden people are, are into it again i think about um more recently like i've been a huge kate bush fan since i was a kid <laughs> I was just about uh, to mention and, that. and i've been telling people for years they, that they need to listen to hounds of love because it's it's a very important album it was an important album for me growing up and was one of the things that made me want to be a musician and produce my own albums um, but I think you with Stranger Things it, it gave a new generation some context mm. to the song and and I think that's part of it I think sometimes sometimes things just have to be heard in the right context mm. when I was um, when I was doing stuff with classical music I remember uh, this lesson taught to me about Stanley Kubrick was a huge fan of avant-garde modern classical music like Penderecki and Ligeti and I love those composers a lot and but you listen to their music out of context or you just listen to it as pure music and a lot of people are going to hear this and be like what the hell is this this is <laughs> this is garbage right yeah but then you see like 2001 you see the shining and you see that with the imagery and you you suddenly like it all comes together it all clicks right it, yeah. it gives you some context for this music and i think that i think that sometimes is what it what music needs um it can't be heard in a vacuum it needs to be heard kind of with the understanding of kind of what is the cultural and historical reasoning behind it where where is the artist coming from because uh, we you know we don't write anything in a vacuum it's whatever whatever is around us whatever influences us is going to make it into the music even if we actively fight against it it's it's going to be there yeah aaron i think on that particular note you've totally nailed it the album i would wish you all the best with that we will be playing a track after the interview and uh, all I can say is I hope to see you at some point going out on the road with it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and for everybody who's tuning in, if you want to learn more about us and buy the music, our website is aaronclift.com. It's A-A-R-O-N-C-L-I-F-T. It's the only place where you can, in addition to getting the CDs for the album, the other merchandise that we have for sale. So... Uh, please do check that out. And Steve, thank you so much for having me on your show. No problem at all. And you, you ship to the UK, okay? Yep. Yeah, excellent. All over the world. Excellent, excellent. Anyway, Aaron, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank and, you. And uh, I hope to catch up with you again at some point in the future. 
Sounds great. Thanks. Take care, Aaron. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. For the past few years, a huge chunk of this country has been going through what is basically a slow-motion nervous breakdown. We're all vulnerable to believing and spreading false information. A slow-motion nervous breakdown. The truth is lagging far behind. The right in this country has spent decades building this disinformation ecosystem that depends on telling conservatives you can only trust us. We're all vulnerable. It's the same thing a cult tells people.
10 years on the air and we're just getting started. MMH, the home of rock radio. Hi, this is Rob Reed. You listen to Progzilla Radio. Okay, boys and girls, welcome back, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview and the tune and that it gave you a little insight into the psyche of a prog musician and obviously the concept of a new album. Mm, the Age of Misinformation, and that was the title track. And from the interview and from the tune, I hope it's inspired you to check out the band, the album and their back catalogue, because they are a rather wonderful band indeed. We have featured them in the past, and I shall be featuring them again in the future. But the fact that a lot of the music on today's show, other than the first three, is very new. It's very, very new indeed, because it only came out this year. Other than the Kairos track as well, of course. There are a few exceptions. But our next track is definitely new, because it comes off an album that's not even released yet. It comes out on the 10th of February, and it's from a combo called E-Molecule. Now, you may not have heard of E-Molecule. It's basically a duo, Simon Collins, Phil Collins-Son, and Kelly Nordstrom who were two of the main instigators behind Sound of Contact. Well, their brand new album, their debut album with this new project, hits the shelves on the 10th of February. It's called The Architect, and I've got the title track for you now. This is E-Molecule.
And on that note, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it this week. We had a very interesting playlist, I believe. And what can I say? Catch you all next Sunday. Or indeed Monday. Your choice. Have a great week.